Hello, and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday, the 10th of September, 2022. This is David, and your other readers this week are Louisa, Mark, and Catherine. Our editor is Fola, and we are Team 5. Now, only as we were recording this edition, the sad news came through of the death of the Queen. But, as usual, all our other items are taken from the Gazette and Express, serving Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. For those of you with computers, our website address is dtnhemel.org.uk. The front page headline story is, Energy bills could hit nearly 4K. Also, hundreds of energy rebates still to be paid. More on these and other stories now follows. Hello, this is Louisa. The average household in decorum could spend almost £4,000 per year on their energy bill when the new price cap comes into effect in October, analysis suggests. Ofgem, the UK's energy regulator, announced last week that it will increase the energy price cap from October the 1st. It means the maximum price a supplier can charge for electricity will rise on average from 28p per kilowatt hour to 52p per kilowatt hour, while gas will increase from 7p to 15p per kilowatt hour. Including standing charges, it means the average household energy costs on a variable tariff in the UK will increase by 80% from £1,971 to £3,549 per year. Energy charity National Energy Action said millions now face a big freeze and urged the government to act immediately to provide greater support ahead of the winter. Hello, this is Mark. Energy usage varies throughout the UK. We've studied local figures to work out how much an average household might pay in your area. Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy figures show the average household in decorum used a median amount of around 3,175.1 kilowatt-hours of electricity and 13,167.62 kilowatt-hours of gas in 2020. A kilowatt-hour is the amount of energy required to provide one kilowatt of power for one hour and the median, the middle number in a series, is used to ensure the figures are not skewed by extreme highs or lows. One kilowatt hour would run an average oven for around 30 minutes. At current prices, it means the average household on a variable tariff in the area would be paying around £2,070 per year to heat and fuel their home. But when the price cap increases in October, this will soar to approximately £3,900. Households on a fixed tariff will pay for energy at their current rate until the term comes to an end. Hello, I'm Catherine. Adam Scorer, Chief Executive of the NEA, said the scale of harm caused by soaring prices needs to sink in and that warm homes will be a pipe dream for many this winter as they wrestle with higher tariffs. Without bold action to support the most vulnerable and those on the lowest incomes, this will effectively prise their fingers from the cliff edge and push them over the precipice, Mr Scorer added. 
The government needs to immediately upgrade the household support package it first announced back in May. Households need money in their pockets to weather this storm, or we are going to see millions in dangerously cold homes, suffering in misery with unimaginable debt and ill health. Energy consultancy firm Cornwall Insights expects the price cap to rise dramatically again in January and April, with yearly energy costs reaching 5400 and 6600 for the average UK household. It would mean annual domestic fuel costs will have more than tripled in one year. Thorsten Bell, chief executive of the Resolution Foundation, a think tank focused on improving living standards, said, Britain is on course for a winter catastrophe that poses a serious threat to families' physical and financial health. Mr Bell added, Big bill reductions combined with solidarity taxes or throwing the kitchen sink at a brand new social tariff scheme should be the focus for whoever becomes the next Prime Minister. Our government spokesperson said, Direct financial aid targeted at the most vulnerable will continue to reach people's pockets in the weeks and months ahead and that preparations have been made so that this support can be implemented as quickly as possible now the new Prime Minister is in place. Please note, all figures are quoted from the Gazette of Wednesday the 7th of September and have been since overtaken and much reduced by the Prime Minister's statement in the House of Commons today, the 8th of September. Beaming Liz Trust has promised to deliver, deliver, deliver after beating Rishi Sunak to become leader of the Conservatives and the next Prime Minister. The 47-year-old won by 57% to 43, a smaller margin than predicted. She won 81,326 votes to Mr Sunak's 60,399,000. But only 83% of members voted and critics pointed out less than half the 172,437 eligible voters backed her. In a short two-minute victory speech to MPs and party officials, Britain's third female PM vowed her top priorities would be the economy, tackling energy bills and delivering on the NHS. I will deliver a bold plan to cut taxes and grow our economy, she said. I will deliver on the energy crisis, dealing with people's energy bills, but also dealing with the long-term issues we have on energy supply. And I will deliver on the National Health Service. We will deliver for all our country and I will make sure we use all the fantastic talents of the Conservative Party. My friends, I know that we will deliver, we will deliver and we will deliver. The mum of two, MP for South West Norfolk since 2010, appeared to rule out a snap election, telling a cheering crowd we will deliver a great victory for the Conservative Party in 2024. She praised outgoing PM Boris Johnson as admired from Kiev to Carlisle, but in an apparent dig at his national insurance rise after a vow not to put up taxes, she vowed, as your party leader, I intend to deliver what we promised. I campaigned as a Conservative and I will govern as a Conservative. Brits blame government for energy crisis. Here are some statistics. 47% in the UK blame ministers for failing to prepare and prevent the huge rise in energy bills. 30% condemn the energy firms. As experts forecasting another significant increase in energy price cap, 92% are concerned about the energy crisis 
66% are very concerned about the soaring energy bills. And 20% would happily pay more for their gas and electricity bills if the money was invested in better infrastructure to prevent potential blackouts or gas supply issues. Watch out for these four National Highways road closures in and around the Decorum area. Drivers in and around Decorum will have four National Highways road closures to be aware of this week, and two of them are expected to cause delays of between 10 minutes and half an hour. The latest expected works list, with notes from National Highways, shows that four closures are due to start this week. The A405 from 9pm September the 5th to 5am November the 1st. Slight delays, those under 10 minutes. M1 both directions, junction 6 to 10, is a carriageway closure for inspection survey on behalf of Waterman Aspen. M25 from 10pm September the 8th to 5.30am September the 20th. Moderate delays, that's 10 to 30 minutes. M25 Junction 21 to Junction 20 anti-clockwise, exit slip road closure for Bearings Works, diversion via National Highways Roads. M25 from 10pm September the 8th to 5.30am September the 16th, again moderate delays 10 to 30 minutes. M25 clockwise, Junction 21 to Junction 20, Exit slip road closure for Bearings Works, diversion via National Highways Roads. And the A414, from 9pm September the 9th to 5am September the 10th, slight delays thankfully, under 10 minutes. That's the A414, both directions, Park Street Roundabout, to Junction 8, back-to-back lane closures due to, horti- due to horticulture, cutting and planting works, on behalf of Ringway. National Highways is responsible for maintaining motorways and major A roads, so closure of smaller roads will not be included in their schedule. As the new school year starts, it is time for parents and carers in decorum to start planning for next year, as the application process for secondary schools gets underway. Last year, over 99% of parents applied through an online application form, which was found to be a quick, easy and secure system to use. The online applications for September 2023 can be changed at any time before the closing date, October 31, 2022, and parents and carers can access school offers before allocation letters are received and accept school allocations online. Councillor Terry Douris, Cabinet Member for Education at Hertfordshire County Council, said that the Council wants every child in the county to be able to achieve their full educational potential. He said, We understand that parents and carers will want to obtain a place at their preferred school for their children, and we work very hard with the admitting authorities of schools to satisfy parental preference wherever possible. Councillor Douris added, Last year, over 94% of children in Hertfordshire were allocated one of their four ranked schools. He urged parents to view the local schools before applying to them and to consider carefully which schools they rank and make use of all the preference available. 
Important information explaining the secondary transfer process will be sent to decorum families through their child's primary, junior or middle school at the beginning of September. According to recent data, hundreds of decorum homeowners qualified for a £150 council tax rebate had not yet received it as of the end of July. Earlier this year, the government announced that every household in council tax bans A to D would receive a £150 rebate as part of a wider package of support to help with the cost of living crisis. These payments started landing in people's bank accounts in April. But new figures from the Department of Leveling Up, Housing and Communities show that 302, or 0.7%, of the 44,000 eligible households in decorum had not got their payment as of the end of July. More households will likely have received the payment since then. The data does not show why the payments may not have been made. Payment has generally happened automatically for those who pay their council tax bills by direct debit, but it could take longer to reach council taxpayers without direct debit arrangements, as local authorities need to attempt to contact them about the rebate scheme and carry out checks once they apply for a rebate. The local government association said earlier this year, and some may have chosen not to apply for the rebate. The government has also pledged £144 million in discretionary funds to help those not covered by the main rebate scheme or to provide further support to those who are, such as those who have council tax reductions due to a disability but do not live in a banned A to D property. However, the figures show that no households in decorum had been paid from the discretionary fund as of the end of July. Across England, 2.6 million households were still waiting to receive support as of the end of July, out of more than 19 million eligible. A recent report by the Resolution Foundation think tank proposed an energy support package worth tens of billions of pounds to help Britons weather the squeeze on living standards. Leveling up Secretary Greg Clark said, I'm pleased to see further progress in paying the council tax rebate out to the millions of households who are eligible to receive it. We want to make sure that those most in need receive the support that they are entitled to, to help households with the cost of living. This is why I am urging everyone to check their eligibility to receive the rebate and contact their councils if they have not. Anyone yet to obtain the payment should check their council's website and make a claim by the end of September, the DLUHC said. For decorum residents, go to decorum.gov.uk forward slash home forward slash council hyphen tax forward slash energy hyphen bills hyphen rebate. A new £370 million HS2 station will bring 1,000 jobs to the West Midlands, the region's mayor has said. The high-speed rail line's Birmingham interchange on the east side of the M42, opposite the NEC, will open in 2026. Mayor Andy Street said it would be transformational for the Midlands economy. And now an editorial comment. One of the more historical national newspapers heralded the growing despair with the headline, What Has Become of Our Country? 
It's not just energy bills, a struggling NHS, sewage on the beaches and a disgracefully absentee government these last few months. It is more fundamental than that. The inability of the country and its political leadership to embrace radical change when the current model is not working. Instead of constantly pointing out the problems, this newspaper has a reviving manifesto that the new Prime Minister, any Prime Minister, should take to heart. One, energy cost furlough scheme. It worked to safeguard jobs during the pandemic, so why should it not be adopted during the energy crisis to save lives and businesses? It could be combined with an education programme to promote energy saving and increased incentives for green energy schemes. Two, health and social care services. Women may all cherish the NHS, but it is time to admit that the current model is bust and look elsewhere for a more creative and participatory long-term approach. Three, police. Like the NHS, the model is broken. It needs a creative solution, making local forces truly accountable, perhaps on an elected sheriff basis, a single national crime division and a single transport police, responsible in part for overseeing the efficient running of the road system. Four, misery tax. Responsible citizens should be free from worry about the essential services, utilities, transport and communication. The providers, usually private enterprise, need to be held accountable. There should be zero tolerance for the excuse that poor service and high prices and windfall profits in circumstances completely devoid of any initiative of the operators are necessary in order to reinvest. 5. Government. There is too much at national level and not enough locally and regionally. Central government needs electoral and constitutional reform to slim down. 6. Leveling up. This cannot be achieved by the tokenism of central government, which has hitherto twisted arms to get business to relocate from the southeast. Devolved administrations with energetic local leadership, empowered with incentives including taxation to attract businesses, will do a much better job. 7. Culture and heritage. Successive governments have dumbed down the na nation reinforcing the class system mentality that the serious arts are for the social elite. The TV tax should be scrapped and direct government funding should support public service arts content. 8. Creation of a modern nation. The British deserve leaders that can imagine and deliver a fairer and more equal future. Levelling up is it, but in all its forms, economic, social, cultural and geographical. This will only happen if there is a new structure of government, heavier on expertise and public service, and lighter on personality and party infighting. Perhaps that is the only thing that the past turbulent and fumbling years have taught us. Personal political ambition is unavoidable, but the people and public duty must come first if the nation is to grow strong. The new Prime Minister should test herself against that measure. Our cost of living campaign, Price Watch, highlights the impact of price hikes on our readers. New Prime Minister Liz Truss has a mountain to climb over the economy, with a bailout the only option available, an economic expert has warned. Macro analyst Christopher Dembeck believes Liz Truss faces massive obstacles saving the national economy. They will have to follow only one path 
opening up the door for a massive stimulus package and, once the crisis will be settled, increasing taxation. Actually, the debate on taxing big corporations could emerge sooner than expected in the UK. Over the weekend, Germany announced a massive 65 billion euro plan to, to fight inflation. Despite being initially reluctant to support the dipping economy, we believe that the next PM will have no other choice but to follow Germany and bail out the country with a similar style cash injection to combat the cost of living crisis. There is no other option in the short term. He went on. Last week, Goldman Sachs's CPI, that's Consumer Prices Index forecast, above 20% for 2023 was widely reported. Sadly, it is likely that the UK inflation will reach that threshold in the coming months if the energy crisis intensifies. This would cause a massive drop in real income for UK households, not only the low-income households, but also the middle class and the upper middle class will suffer a lot. On top of that, the recession is a done deal. However, it is still uncertain how deep it will be and how long it will last. This puts the UK in a much worse position to face the winter months ahead than most other European countries. The economy expert further added that taxpayers will have to pay back a £20 billion bill if energy prices are frozen. He said the UK government has no other choice than to increase support for low-income households to help pay energy bills, though a £20 billion bill to freeze prices would be on taxpayers to pay back. Christopher Dembick suggests Brexit and the Tory party's lack of support for consumers have contributed to rising inflation levels. Inflation hit 10.1% earlier this month, a 40-year high, with the Bank of England warning this figure could be closer to 13% by April next year. Mr Dembick has compared the French government's approach with the UK after Emmanuel Macron's government froze prices at a 4% increase earlier this year. He said... The United Kingdom is certainly facing as many economic issues as other European countries. But on top of that, there are disruptions related to Brexit too. This has accentuated severe inflation by increasing goods and labour shortage. Ultimately, this means much more inflation, which is likely to be double figures for many months. Inflation is also probably higher in the UK because the government's support to limit the increase in energy prices is lower. In many European countries, the real rate of change in inflation is certainly undervalued because of the cap on energy prices. In France, inflation will likely peak close to 8% year on year. This is comparatively low. But the government capped energy prices this year, meaning there will be no increase on gas prices and electricity prices, limiting the rise to 4% in 2022. However, this is costly. To freeze prices, the UK government may have to commit close to £20 billion, as the French government have, which will likely be paid back in tax by the consumer in the long term. Fewer people cycled at least once a week in decorum last year than in 2020, new figures show. The first coronavirus lockdown was characterised by shortages at bike shops and councils across England reorganising their streets to encourage walking and cycling. But new figures from the Department of Transport 
shows the proportion of people regularly cycling has decreased compared to the year which marked the first lockdown. The annual Active Lives survey measures how often individuals exercise and is carried out continuously throughout the year. According to the survey, 7.2% of adults in decorum biked at least once a week in the year to November 2021, down from 11% the year before. This was also a drop from 7.9 in the year to November 2019, before the coronavirus pandemic. Sustran, a campaign group for better walking and cycling, said the figures show there is still a need to make active travel safe, accessible and welcoming. During the pandemic, when there were fewer cars on the road, the public took to their bikes. It's sad to see this return to expensive and pollutant car use, especially as the urgency for alternatives has only increased alongside the cost of living. The National Travel Survey, also combined by the Department for Transport, shows people in England on average drove 300 times in 2021, a rise on 295 the year before, but still far fewer than the 380 trips taken by car in 2019. Edmund King, president of the AA Motoring Association, said the government has missed the chance to better promote walking and cycling. The reversal of lockdown trends points to the government's and council's failure to seize the opportunity, opportunity to ingrain and promote more of those changed behaviours into the way the UK travels. Analysis by the AA suggests that even the rising costs of fuel may not push drivers to swap four wheels for two. In July, the organisation polled more than 15,000 drivers, finding that just 2% had switched to walking or cycling as a result of higher fuel prices. Across England, the proportion of adults cycling once a week or more fell to 9.1% in 2021, having remained between 11% and 12% since 2016. This was driven by fewer people cycling for leisure in particular. In the year to November 2020, 8.5% of respondents were doing so weekly, but this fell to 6% in 2021. A Department for Transport spokesperson said the government is investing a record £2 billion over this parliament to enable more walking, wheeling and cycling through better infrastructure, cycle training and active travel prescriptions. Though cycling levels have returned from the exceptional levels we saw during the pandemic, we remain fully confident our investment will enable many more people to choose walking and cycling for everyday journeys by 2030. As the UK deals with the cost of living crisis, Cycle Scheme, which is a major provider of the government's Cycle to Work programme, has found that running a car costs on average £3,727 per year, whereas a bicycle is just £396. Ten Extinction Rebellion decorum members protested outside a petrol station in Apsley on Saturday, September the 3rd by putting on a street theatre performance, calling for the end to new oil, gas and coal. The protesters performed on the pavement of the Shell Garage and honoured people killed by climate change, with three members laying on the floor, acting as climate victims. 
Two men from the group acted as Shell executives who celebrated their profits in 2022 at a tea party, spilling oil from a teapot and throwing cash around. Other Extinction Rebellion members held a homemade banner. Spokesperson Raika Yasai explained that Shell owns Jackdaw, the new gas field approved by the government, and part owns Cambo, the new oil field planned for Scotland. She went on to explain that the International Energy Agency warned last year that there can be no new fossil fuel projects in the UK if the UK are to reduce emissions and prevent a climate catastrophe. Raika from Berkhamsted said... The government gives Shell and other fossil fuel companies massive subsidies. But North Sea oil and gas won't make energy affordable or give us energy security. Shell will export the gas from Jackdaw and oblige the UK to buy it back in a volatile global market. Sue Hampton added, New oil and gas won't solve the cost of living crisis and will accelerate the climate crisis. It's a mistake we can't afford to make. Shortly after the group handed a message to the manager of the Shell Garage, the police were called, but no arrests were made. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and more news. Free computer clinics for the visually impaired. The Decorum Talking newspaper organises computer clinics for the sight impaired at the South Hill Centre, Cemetery Hill, Hemel Hempstead, HP1 1JF. If you have issues with your computer or smartphone or tablet, bring it along to us on a Friday, 9 to 10.30am and we'll do what we can to help. An expert is always on hand. It's an informal group of a few people who are visually impaired. Come along and join us, even just for a chat. For further information, please phone 217918 or email secretary at dtnhemmel.org.uk. A reminder that we have an invitation from the Tring School of Performing Arts for an event on Friday the 30th of September from 3pm to 5pm. They are sending a minibus to collect and return you which means the secretary will need to know if you are joining us and would like a lift. We will all need to meet at the Gaybridge Park and Ride area at 2.15pm to park the vehicles and transfer to the minibus. Those from Berkhamsted and Pottenend will probably want to drive straight there. This is a lovely opportunity to see some young, talented stars of the future. Book your seat by calling the secretary on 217918. Obituaries recorded on the family announcement page of this week's paper include Michael Mike Alton, Jean Florence Bailey, Nee Cox, Jean Ada Burrows, William Bill Doyle, David Roy Evans, Barbara Doreen Newton, and Wendy Jean Traverse. May they rest in peace. And now, some of what's on locally and further afield. Heritage Open Days, 9th to the 18th September. England's largest festival of history and culture. People will be able to visit properties that are usually closed to the public or normally charge for entry. 
Find events near you at www.heritageopendays.org.uk And then there's the Great North Run on the 11th September, Newcastle, the world's biggest half marathon, which sees around 60,000 athletes and fun runners take part. Theatre. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Milton Keynes Theatre, September the 12th to 24th. The acclaimed London Palladium production of Andrew Lloyd Webber's much-loved musical stars Alexandra Burke as the narrator and Jack Yarrow as Joseph. The multi-award-winning show, based on the biblical tale, has been performed in more than 80 countries and has become one of the world's most beloved family musicals, with songs including Any Dream Will Do, Close Every Door to Me, There's One More Angel in Heaven and Go, 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 Joseph. Visit atgtickets.com forward slash Milton Keynes to book. Comedy. The Screaming Blue Murder Comedy Club will be at the Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, from September the 19th. The monthly stand-up night returns with performances from Russell Hicks and Sarah Callahan. Bennett Aaron compares. Visit Town hall.co.uk to book. Glitterball, Watford Palace Theatre, September 15th to the 24th. Sonia is keen to learn more about her mixed race heritage, but she can't shake off the voice of her overbearing mother. Glitterball is a comedy with live music about relationships and always staying true to oneself. Visit watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk to book. Tring Cinema reopens. A community cinema in Tring is reopening its doors two years after the COVID-19 pandemic forced it to close. Film fans will once again be able to enjoy movies at Tring Cinema in Nora Grace Hall on Faversham Close from next week. The cinema announced, It's been a whole long year since our last post, but this time we finally have some good news. It added, We're kicking off with a long-awaited screening of Judy on Friday the 9th of September. This is for ticket holders only, as we had planned to show it back in March 2020, and all we know is why that was cancelled. The highly acclaimed film Belfast will be shown at the cinema on September the 16th. The cinema has a new box office at a gift shop, Fancy That, in Tring, where people can get information and tickets. Tickets can also be bought online at tringcinema.com. We return to more local stories looking at This Week in History. September the 7th, 1901, the Peace of Peking ended the Boxer Rising in China. On this day last year, the Wire actor Michael K. Williams was found dead, aged 54, at his home in Brooklyn. September the 8th, 1966, the Seven Bridge was officially opened by the Queen. September the 9th, 1963, Scotland's Jim Clark became the world's youngest motor racing champion. On this day last year, two teachers in England made the shortlist for the world's best teacher award, which included prize money of 1 million US dollars. September the 10th, 1965, Yale University published a map purporting to show that the Vikings discovered America in the 11th century. On this day last year, Anne 
Partland and Declan Donnelly won the Best TV Presenter Prize at the National Television Awards for a 20th consecutive time. September the 11th, 1928. The world's first television play was transmitted live by station WGY in New York. The Queen's Messenger, a 40-minute transmission, had only two characters, but there were four actors as old-fashioned cameras could not be moved around. September 12, 1970, Concorde landed at Heathrow Airport for the first time to a barrage of complaints about noise. Rare ivory plaques dating back thousands of years have been unearthed in Jerusalem. The pieces dating from the 8th century BC are the first of their kind to be found in the city of David, thought to be Jerusalem's original centre, and were in a palatial structure, the Israel Antiquities Authority said. Ivory was considered one of the costliest raw materials in the ancient world, even more than gold. Experts say the plaques that were part of a throne showed how important the city was at the time. At the Volunteer Centre, we are having a Trustee Recruitment Month this September. We are always advertising roles for trustees for various different charities. But most people that come to us, volunteer, they come to volunteer and have never considered being a trustee. What are trustees? Charity trustees are volunteers who play a vital leadership role, ensuring the charity is run in a way that benefits the people it supports by strategically overseeing its management and administration. Being a trustee is a most rewarding role, as you have the chance to make a difference to a cause that is important to you. What skills are needed to be a trustee? There is no set skill set, as an effective board of trustees should have members with a range of backgrounds, experiences and skills. A good trustee will have an interest in the work of the charity, be committed and reliable, and willing to attend and contribute to the trustees' meetings. In return, they will have the opportunity for professional development, to learn from others and boost their CV. It is also a fantastic opportunity to give back to the community, using skills you may have already gained in your professional life. What is the time commitment to be a trustee? The time commitment needed varies from charity to charity. For some trustee roles, you'll only need to attend quarterly trustee meetings, whereas other organisations require a more hands-on approach. Whatever time you have available, we can help you find the right trustee role for you. If you would like to find out more about what being a trustee entails, we're holding drop-in sessions every Thursday throughout the whole of September. There will be no obligation to start volunteering as a trustee. This will simply be an opportunity to ask any questions you have and to see if the role is right for you. If you would like more information or if you would like to speak to a member of our team, please email us at volunteering at communityactiondecorum.org.uk or call us on 247-209. We're open Monday to Friday, 10am to 3pm. The film The Wrong Sort of Grapes has won an award at the Marietta International Film Festival in Georgia, USA and an 82-year-old actor from Tring plays the lead role. Tring equity actor Elizabeth May 
also known as Liz Rogers, starred in the short film about how senior members of society coped during the lockdown in the UK. The actor, who used to own ABC costume hire in Berkhamsted High Street, was a regular background artist for scores of shows like Holby City and EastEnders and has featured in blockbusters like The Da Vinci Code and Love Actually. Her family's favourite thing to do is nanny spotting. Every Christmas, they watch Love Actually and wait as Elizabeth follows Liam Neeson through the arrival section at Heathrow Airport, at which point they all cheer. Elizabeth's children, Sarah Mitchell, Barry Mitchell and Helen Rogers, looked at their mother's acting achievements and decided to make her the lead in a film. Her children said, As the film industry ramped up again, the rumour was that the older members of the cast would not be back on set, because of the risk of this virus. They added, We realised she had not been a lead character. We felt at 82 years young we needed to fix this and make it a reality. The film was selected to be shown at festivals around the world, including those in the US, UK and France. For more about The Wrong Sort of Grapes, visit lizardproductions.com. A hospice's charity shop in Hemel Hempstead reopened on Friday, September the 2nd, after it was renovated to become the charity's first community hub shop. The Warner's End shop, which closed on August 20th, has transformed with new flooring, lighting and decorated with the Rennie Grove colours. The new till area was made from recycled units and a community notice board was installed for messages to and from customers. Nicola Flood, who works as the buying, merchandising and business development manager at Rennie Grove Hospice Care, said, The shop is so well supported by the volunteers who work there and the customers, who both donate and buy goods, that we knew this was the perfect site to unveil our first community hub. She added, in refreshing this shop, We really wanted to give the local community a space to meet, shop and socialise. We couldn't run our charity shops without the local people who donate goods, volunteer their time and shop there. The ribbon was cut by Director of Retail and Trading, Deborah Gould, who was accompanied by the shop's volunteers. Louise Bloomfield from Hemel Hempstead has volunteered at the spot for 22 years. She said, This shop really is a community hub. In my time volunteering here, I've come to know a lot of the customers who visit regularly. Louise continued, The newly renovated shop is a welcoming space that local people can meet and shop in. I know it will be very popular with our customers and I'm proud to be a volunteer here. A non-profit group which helps dog owners train their pets is urging people to come to sessions and get their pooches trained after two years of closure due to the coronavirus pandemic. The Willowbrook Dog Training Club, which holds classes on Monday nights at Long Marston Village Hall in Tring, is asking owners of dogs, particularly those bought during the pandemic, to get involved in training sessions to help create a healthy, happy dog community. The club, which charges £5 per session to cover the cost of the hall, is run by three dog enthusiasts, Rose Kirby, Jill Sage and Claudine Cox, who all have made it their mission to provide training to dog owners who don't have the means to access expensive lessons. 
Claudine, who has been training dogs for over 40 years, says that the group takes on any dog and any owner. She said that there are people that have been bought these dogs during the lockdown and of course now they're out of control because they've done nothing with them so we're happy to do that. From socialising with other canines to obedience training the club assures owners that no matter the dog's age or ability they can help not only train the dog but also the owner. Claudine explained instead of shoving them back into rescue get them trained get them doing things and then they can become a pleasure rather than a nuisance. According to the National Dog Survey, there was a massive boost in dog ownership during the pandemic with 3.2 million dogs joining families during the lockdown. Now, Claudine wants these pets to reach their full potential by being properly trained. She said, We're trying now to get these people that think that because their dog is a year or 18 months old that it's too late. It's never too late for them. The club meets on a Monday night from 6.15pm until 9.30pm for its puppy, improver and graduate classes. People who are interested in attending a class are asked to visit willowbrookdogtraining.co.uk. Police have issued an appeal to trace a witness after van with thousands of pounds worth of tools stolen in Hemel. Officers are investigating a burglary in Hemel Hempstead in August and are trying to trace a woman who they believe may have seen the offender leaving the scene. On August the 19th, between 12.45pm and 1.15pm, keys to a white Ford Transit van were taken from inside a property on Briary Way. The van, which contained thousands of pounds worth of tools, was taken from outside. So far... Inquiries in the area have found that a woman was walking past the address at the time and could have seen the person driving off in the vehicle. The woman was described as having dark hair and wearing dark-coloured clothing. A police spokesperson said, Investigating officers are keen to trace this lady as she may have vital information to assist in identifying the suspect. If you believe this may have been you, please get in touch. Officers would also like to hear from anyone else who may have information which could help their inquiries. People can report information via hearts.police.uk or by calling 101. Information can also be given anonymously to Crime Stoppers Charity via 0800 555 or crimestoppers.com. A former model turned mum from Tring is running the London Marathon again this year and is raising money for Barnardo's after growing up close to the charity's headquarters. Nadine Bro decided to run the marathon last year after being inspired by her father Eddie, who had had to learn to walk again after having coronavirus. Nadine, originally from Barkingside, explains that she is doing the run for her dad again this year and the charity that has always been in her life. She said, My dad used to take us every year to drop presents to the cause. He'd take us in there and there are my growing up memories. The former model added, I thought raising money for Barnardo's is a perfect way to remind us all of the strength my dad has and kindness of all the years growing up as kids.
This time around, Nadine is also running for the children's charity in tribute to her friend Mark Foley, a former Bernardo's child who recently died. To train for her run, Nadine, who runs a business helping get children into modelling, uses Champneys, Tring and local roads. For three months, she has been sticking to a training plan to improve her time in the hope of smashing her goal of four and a half hours. For anyone thinking about doing a marathon, Nadine's advice is to go for it. She said, obviously make sure you've got the training and you follow some sort of plan. Don't just dive into it without that. Nadine added, the main thing is not to get any injuries. The biggest challenges that Nadine has come across are the mental struggles of running for such a long time. Despite being a keen runner, she admits that training for a marathon has been a big difference from casually running for fun around Tring. She explained, It's been a real learning curve. I've just realised that the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Donations can be made to Nadine's fundraiser via teslondonmarathon.enthuse.com. Decorah motorcycle riders rode from Hemel Hempstead to the US Embassy in London on Saturday, August the 27th to mark the third anniversary of Harry Dunn's death. Harry, 19, was killed when his motorbike was in collision with a car, reportedly driving on the wrong side of the road outside the US military base RAF Crowton in Northamptonshire. He was allegedly crashed into by US citizen Anne Sekoulas who was charged with causing death by dangerous driving four months later. The riders prayed and revved their engines outside of the US Embassy in London. John Andrews from Decorah Motorcycle Riders said, Harry was a biker who loved his bikes and cars like us. We wanted to show our support to a fellow biker who sadly lost his life in a tragic accident. John added, bikers are one big happy family, we all stick together. And in a more light-hearted piece of news, an American man hopes to have set a new world record for paddling 61 kilometres, that's 38 miles, in a giant pumpkin. Yes, you heard it right. 60-year-old Dwayne Hansen from Nebraska grew the pumpkin in his garden, dug the insides out, and then paddled down the Missouri River in it. The journey took him 11 hours and an impressive amount of rowing. Officials from Bellevue City Hall were called on to be witnesses for the fruity challenge. They wrote on Facebook, They say if you stay in your job long enough, you might just see about everything. And this morning was one of those days. The officials added that they originally thought Mr Hansen wanted to float the pumpkin down the river on its own and had no idea he was going to be riding in it. After setting off at 7.30am, Mr. Hansen arrived at his final destination just after 6.30pm. He hopes to have nabbed himself a Guinness World Record for the longest journey by pumpkin boat. He is one of our greatest sports stars, and having won a host of swimming titles, including elusive 50 metres Commonwealth gold, Adam Peaty has turned his attention to a different target. The Swimming Stars' focus now is calling for better investment in sport, urging the UK government to capitalise on recent triumphs of Birmingham-based Commonwealth Games success and England's Wembley UEFA Women's Championship triumph. 
In a heartfelt plea to the government, the 27-year-old has urged sports facilities should not be closed and sport should be invested in. He said the country's most recent success should be something that encourages government and councils to invest in sports facilities across the country. The Commonwealth champ pointed to the mental as well as physical benefits that sport can bring, especially in these times of a cost-of-living crisis and the recent COVID pandemic. Research by UK Active revealed in June that as much as 79% of public leisure services might be forced to shut their doorways within the subsequent six months because of rising energy prices. Sales of new cars went up for the first time in five months in August, data shows. New vehicle registrations were up 1.2% on the previous 12 months, reports the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders. In total, 68,858 cars were registered, halting a fall in monthly sales that had stretched back to February. But overall, sales are down 35.3% over the same period in the pre-pandemic year of 2019, the industry body reported. A reckless older driver who could not read a number plate from 10 feet away has been jailed for six months for killing a cyclist. Peter Gardner, 82, had such poor vision he should not have been driving when he catapulted James Tassel six feet into the air in Andover, Hampshire, in July 2021. Grandfather Mr Tassel, 70, was cycling at 10am on a clear summer's day when the silver Vauxhall Vectra ploughed into the back of him. After Gardner was sentenced, Mr Tassel's family urged older drivers to have regular eyesight tests so others do not have to go through the pain and devastation inflicted upon us. Gardner of Whitchurch, Hampshire, earlier pleaded guilty to causing death by careless driving. Salisbury Crown Court was told he must have known his eyesight was failing. A late comeback put Berkhamsted into the next round of the FA Cup on Saturday as they overcame Witham Town 2-1. After a goal in the first half, Witham opened that scoring with a low shot from a free kick 22 yards out by Adam Vise. The match hinged on a penalty decision. Burko thought they should have had one when Linton Gross was pushed to the ground. However, later when Jonathan Lacey was fouled, a penalty was awarded and Doughty Gaz got a red card arguing about it. Rhys Madden then saved Lacey's penalty, but Ryan Blake tucked home the rebound with a quarter of an hour to go. Goss then rose and used his neck muscle to power a header inside the post for a last gasp winner that was celebrated wildly and set up a tie at home to Concord Rangers in the next round. Berkhamsted are in a cup action at home against on sat- again on Saturday as Exmouth Town make the long trip in the FA Trophy. Boss Mark Jones was pleased with his side's battling qualities after Hemel Hempstead Town earned a nil-nil draw at Weymouth on Saturday. The Tudors played most of the game with 10 men following debutante Harris O'Connor's straight red card on 16 minutes, but were able to keep the host out and earn a point that, although not enough to move them out of the bottom four, ended a run of four straight defeats. 
and Jones was satisfied with the draw, though not in agreement with the decision to send O'Connor off. He said, I thought we battled very well given we were down to 10 men for about 80 minutes after what I thought was a harsh sending off. I don't think we're getting the rub of the green with decisions at the moment. Last week we should have had a stonewall penalty in the first half against Dartford. But it's a rock-hard pitch. The ball is bouncing. Harris has made a genuine attempt to go for the ball, but the lads put his head in and it was so unlucky. The referee needs to be 100% sure to send people off and I think sometimes they're too quick to get the cards out and make rash decisions. It wasn't a malicious challenge and he wasn't trying to hurt the lad. So for us to battle and to keep a clean sheet, I think we have to respect that and be reasonably pleased. There's always things you can work on and we did have two or three great opportunities on counter-attacks, but decision-making at the end was a little bit disappointing. But the attitude of the players was excellent. They battled so hard and whilst we would have liked to have won the game, under the circumstances I think we have to be pleased with the effort from the players and I think the fans saw that. I thank them for their support. I know we haven't given them much to cheer about in the last three weeks, but I appreciate their support as they came down in good numbers for a long trip. Hemel now prepare to return home this weekend to face another side in the relegation zone, Chessant, who have just one win to their name so far and six defeats in a row behind them. Meanwhile, Hemel have been drawn at home to fellow Hertfordshire side Royston of the SPL Premier Central in the second qualifying round of the FA Cup on Saturday, September 17th. A reminder of those interested in sports news, on, on Saturday afternoon, Three Counties Radio broadcasts on FM 103.8 and Heart Radio are on FM 97.6 and Talk Sport are on Medium Wave 1089. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 6.27am and 7.27pm. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemmel.org.uk. For those who are listening to this week's news on Memory Stick, please remove your Memory Stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Turn the label over and post it back to us at the AD Field Community Centre, the Queen Square, Hemel Hempstead, HP2 4EW, using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it is goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Martin and Joe, your technicians for this week. <laughs>